You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk. I'm your host, Brett, and this is part of a bunch of different things that I make. So thanks for listening. This podcast is usually from a live stream I do every Thursday that you can join on YouTube. You can find that at brett.live. But this is actually a special one that I'm recording just for you podcast listeners because I wanted to catch you up on a year's worth of updates. Well, really just the last six or seven months of updates on Docker. Before we get to that, all of you who are on my Patreon as members, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast the live show, the newsletter, all the open source content I create, and everything else. So you can get all of that at patreon.com slash Brett Fisher. It's actually the best place to follow any of the updates or things I'm releasing. It's kind of like a private Twitter stream that you just get one or two notifications a week on. You don't even have to pay to get that. You can just follow me there. But there are also paid memberships for just a few dollars a month that get you extra benefits like joining my monthly DevOps chat where we all hang out in a Zoom for a lunch hour, essentially, and talk about what we're working on. So that's fun. And of course, you can get my courses and everything else I'm producing and selling and all that around the world of DevOps and containers at brettfisher.com, including the show notes for this podcast. All right, now on to today's show. So a quick recap of the year for Docker. At the beginning of 2020, it was a couple of months after the announcement that Docker was splitting and selling off their enterprise stuff and getting rid of majority of their employees, or not really getting rid of them, but uh, transitioning them over to the company that bought all of the closed source software, all of the enterprise customers, Mirantis. Now, we haven't heard a lot from them this year. They're not an incredibly public company like Docker where they're doing YouTube videos and events and all that stuff, at least not from my point of view. They do have a a blog and they do talk about what they're working on and they've released some Docker Enterprise stuff and they've made some commitments to Swarm long-term. If you're more interested in that stuff, I do have a podcast from earlier this year in 2020 that I talked about that. But this show is not about that. This show is about Docker Inc., the remaining 75 or so employees that are fully focused on developer tooling. So far this year, to me, there's been four major new features or betas. And the two that I wanna focus on today are just happening this summer in June and July, 2020. That is the Azure and AWS cloud betas for the Docker command line. Now, the other two things I won't talk about today, but maybe if you give some feedback or let me know somehow if you really wanna hear this, are the two other major features, which is the mutagen cache feature for Docker desktop, which essentially automates caching of files by replicating them into your containers for development. That thing is pretty sweet and it can solve some big performance problems for big projects where you have thousands of files, maybe a bunch of NPM or PHP dependencies, and you've always had performance problems with Docker. Then the mutagen feature, which is now in the edge release, I'm not sure if it's in stable yet, will definitely benefit you and it now can be set automatic so it will just kind of automatically sync your projects anyway you can definitely go over to the docker blog and that's at docker.com blog and check that out that's for mostly windows 10 legacy users meaning people that aren't on the latest update of windows 10 
and then for Mac users, of which I am one of those. So for me, Mutagen on Mac is a big deal because it will supposedly help improve my performance on my file syncs for large projects. The other thing was Windows 10 for people that are on the latest release that came out in May. That's the 2004 release or 2004 release, which is a major update for the first half of 2020 for Windows 10 gave us WSL2, which is the Windows subsystem for Linux version two, which now gives us a full Linux kernel. And I've talked about that a lot on my show over on YouTube. You can see those at brett.live. We've had other guests and conversations throughout the year about Windows 10 and WSL2 support. So I'm not gonna talk about that either. So those are the two other major features that are now, I think either, if not in stable, they're close to being in the stable release. The two that are definitely beta that I want to talk about today, and this is how I get into a conversation around how Docker is changing to truly be more developer-focused and not so enterprise production orchestration-focused, is that they're adding new types of integrations for deploying containers from the command line without using a direct connection to a Docker engine. And so that's a little bit different than what we've seen with Docker in the past. And and it's interesting to talk about the differences of how this is changing Docker as a company and as a product versus what they would have traditionally done like three or four years ago. So let me catch you up. Imagine it's 2015, Docker's a year or so old, and you want to help people set up Docker on a server and run some containers. Docker created the Docker Machine project, Docker-Machine. And if you've used that, that is a project around setting up a Linux instance either locally on some virtualization or in the cloud with some sort of instance where you're actually dealing with the VM itself. So it'll first provision that, then it will install the Docker engine, then it will create a secure certificate connection to that Docker engine, usually through TCP but sometimes through SSH. And it will do that, then allow you to remote control that through that special port. Okay, so that's really low level stuff. That's focusing on infrastructure and just getting Docker on a machine. Now, fast forward five years later, and we've had a number of basically every other tool in the ecosystem adopt Docker as part of its tooling. So whether you're using Terraform or Ansible or SaltStack or CloudFormation or creating instances manually on DigitalOcean or AWS or Azure or wherever you're at, that those all have tooling around creating a VM and putting Docker on it. Like It's just the last little bit, the connecting your local CLI to that remote Docker instance that was left out. And you can now do that today with the built-in SSH feature, which I've talked about many times. Essentially, you can change the Docker host environment variable to just point to a remote SSH endpoint then you can control that remote Docker from your local machine without ever having to truly SSH in to that server. You can just use the Docker CLI locally. Anyway, that is the last five years of Docker, but that's not necessarily the future of Docker because we don't necessarily need to worry about that low-level infrastructure. And Docker as a company kind of branched out and got a little bit too much into the infrastructure game when they were doing Docker machine And then they started doing orchestration with Swarm, Swarm Classic. Then they got into Kubernetes and all sorts of features around tying Docker into Kubernetes. And a lot of this stuff was really low level. And what I mean is it was concerned about the machines running. And we're now evolving into a world where 
All the clouds now have their own Kubernetes. They all have multiple ways to run container infrastructure, and they have their own APIs that are different per cloud provider for how to do that. And so most of us have matured to adopting whatever our cloud's way of running containers are. Some of us are still manually creating servers and manually installing container tools and managing those from a very sysadmin point of view. But as you get more comfortable with the cloud tools directly, especially when you're focusing on a specific cloud, then you take advantage of all those new benefits, meaning you don't have to spin up your own infrastructure. You can, at some cases, like with Google Cloud Run or Fargate, you don't even have to care about the infrastructure. You can just remove your concern around the instances, the VMs, their kernels, their system updates, all that stuff goes away. You let the cloud manage that because they're probably better at it than most of us. And we just focus on our apps and deploying as containers, as the new object for management. Okay, now that you're caught up, we're in 2020. We've got multiple ways. Most people have heard of Fargate to run containers without worrying about infrastructure. And Docker is starting to experiment with cloud. They're called context types, essentially in the tooling. But what we're talking about is using the Docker command line. And instead of talking directly to a Docker engine, it's now talking to a cloud API. And it's using whatever that cloud's way is for deploying containers as the way to do a Docker run or a Docker compose up, for example. Once you understand that core idea around how Docker is trying to make it easier for developers, these new betas make sense. So here we are 10 minutes into the podcast, and I'm now finally talking about the functionality and the feature. But it's important to have that context because it makes sense why they're doing this now and that they didn't do it five years ago and why they're leaving some of these other tools behind. Like some of you may have noticed that the Docker machine tool is now listed under the deprecated set of stuff, and it still technically works as long as there's no new bugs in how you deploy Ubuntu, but it, t it still works today. I still have lots of students using it in the courses, but it's not where Docker is focused, and so the tool works, but doesn't really have much of a future in terms of new features. The new features are coming in how Docker is connecting to the clouds, and each cloud will be different, and they're using this connector idea through the cloud APIs. So the first one, which was announced at DockerCon, was the Azure ACI beta. This allowed us to use the Docker command line with a brand new beta, which you can now get, as of a couple of weeks ago, in Docker Desktop's Edge release. That's the beta of Docker Desktop. If you get that, then you will have new features around changing your context. That's a, a relatively new feature in the last couple of years where you can change the Docker context just like you can for Cube Control context. And you do this at the command line, and it defaults to your local machine, which is default. But you can add other ones. Now, until 2020, the only type of context was, it listed it actually as Mobi, but it was essentially a Docker engine. Whether it was through SSH or TCP, it was talking directly to the Docker engine on a single machine. So whether you're doing Docker Run or Docker Compose or even Docker Swarm, those connections were to a Docker engine on some machine somewhere, and presumably you set up that Docker machine very manually. You set up the, you know, the VM, you put Docker on it, or maybe the cloud provider did it for you, but you're not talking to a cloud API. You're talking to Docker Engine. With these new contexts, which is the Azure one and now the AWS one, they're not talking to that Docker Engine anymore. They're talking to the cloud APIs. So the machine is an artifact that eventually gets controlled through these different cloud APIs. So when Docker showed off this Azure ACI demo 
for some of us, it was conceptually a little hard to understand because we thought, well, is it just running a VM in Azure and talking to the Docker engine? No, it's actually ignoring all of that. It's talking to the Azure API and saying, hey, Azure, how do you like to run containers in ACI? Now, Azure Container Instances, or ACI, is one of the ways you can run containers on Azure. And it it kind of removes a little bit of the infrastructure ideas for you. It does still think about instances. So a single machine, when you spin up an instance, so an ACI instance there is still a machine. It's not an orchestrator, but it is providing some automation around you know, removing the fact that you don't even have to care what container runtime is running or what's the OS or how do I get logs out of that server or do I have to patch it? Those things are taken care of for you and you just basically get a endpoint to talk to. Now, in this case, that endpoint maybe isn't Docker compatible in terms of the traditional Docker engine API. But Docker's solving that by creating this new context integration. So the way you would change to this was you would use the Docker context command to swap from your default over to the ACI type. And then you could actually provision a new instance there, either using Docker run, which would create a new instance and then spin up a container on that instance, and then presumably open the ports if you needed them onto the internet. Or if you use Docker compose up, it will allow you to spin up many different containers on the same server in ACI. So this removes the need for you to spin up infrastructure, manage that infrastructure, although it still is the idea of a single machine. So it's not quite production orchestration, which is why when they talk about this, they say, this is really more about letting developers just quickly deploy something and set it up for someone else to use or for testing purposes. It's not really for production-y infrastructure, fault tolerance, rolling updates, and all that stuff. So this is just their first one with Azure. And they announced that at DockerCon. It's now uh, available in a very, very early beta in the Docker Edge release. And they have a GitHub repo that you can go to look at the feature requests and the roadmap and the bugs and all that stuff. So they're keeping that open source. And it's it's still tied into the Docker command line. It's a part of the Docker binary, but they're treating it as a separate feature in a separate repo in GitHub. This will all be linked into the show notes. So where are we now? That means as a developer or just a tester of any kind running containers locally, you can do that stuff locally with Docker Run and Docker Compose Up. And if you want to spin those up on a machine in Azure ACI, you can now do that by simply changing context. And it will use your Azure credentials to talk to the ACI API and then spit up a machine and basically spit you back an IP address that you can then use to look at that stuff. So this is a pretty interesting solution. And the reason that we aren't just using other tools is that Docker's argument is that one of the biggest hurdles when people are adopting containers is that it usually tends to be developers learning about containers, putting their apps in the containers, and then they want to get them on the cloud. And then they have to jump through a ton of hoops. They have to first not just learn the cloud if they don't know it already, but then they have to pick which type of cloud functionality because every cloud now has multiple ways to run containers. Then they have to learn some third-party tooling. Maybe it's the Azure CLI or the AWS CLI, or they maybe use something like Terraform to spin up the instance. And then they have to figure out how to talk to Docker directly from their local CLI, which is a whole set of learnings. Anyway, it gets really steep in the learning curve really fast. And Docker is now trying to push that boundary out a little bit and say, hey, look, if you're just spinning something up for simple 
one server use cases or just testing purposes, or maybe you just want a friend to see it and you don't want to have them remote into your machine, you can just do that. And then this week in July, they announced the AWS beta, which is quite different because Azure and AWS have different opinions about how they run containers and different options. The first one that Docker is working with the AWS team on is for ECS, so the Elastic Container Service, not Kubernetes related. It's an orchestrator, so it's not instance-based. It's not focusing on spinning up an EC2 instance and then running containers on it. It's launching with a full orchestrator functionality. And it's even using the Fargate functionality of ECS for this, which means you can completely remove the concern for nodes, node groups, making sure your instances are available, all that stuff. So in this beta that they just released, again, with the edge of Docker Desktop, it will only support the Docker Compose concept of using a YAML file because we're going to be deploying it to the ECS orchestration engine. And that will then spin up ECS tasks and the containers inside them. It supports both types of load balancers for ECS and a few other basic features around depends on. And the idea here is we're using Compose locally. We all know Docker Compose locally. As you learn Docker, you're learning Docker Compose, and then you're like, okay, I need to deploy it on servers. How do I get it in the servers? And in this case, it is a production quality workflow. There's not a lot of functionality yet in this very early beta, so there's a bunch of edge cases and limitations. But if you're someone who's considering ECS and you like Docker Compose, and to be honest, we've already had tooling from AWS and others that allow us to use Docker Compose inside of ECS. But the idea here is that you're keeping it in the Docker command line, that you're reusing the same patterns that you already have with the same tooling, and you're getting the 80-20 rule of functionality, right? You're eventually, I guess with the 1.0 release, their hope is that it'll have the 80% of functionality of ECS that most people need. And it'll be the 20% of ease of use, right? So it's 20% of extra learning or functionality that you have to type in your command line, but you get 80% of the features out of ECS, at least if I use that analogy. Already, I'm seeing that this is a pretty interesting and quite different way from the Azure plugin. With AWS in the background, and they explain this all in, in GitHub on their GitHub repo for this particular plugin, but with AWS, in the background, it's changing your Compose YAML into CloudFormation. So essentially, it's turning it into CloudFormation, shoving it up into the AWS API, and then letting the typical ECS CloudFormation stuff do its job, which with my very first demo that I did live this week on YouTube, it failed on me. Not sure why yet, but it timed out deploying containers. So it then, like CloudFormation likes to do when things fail, the failed deployment instantly rolled back and removed all of the security groups and the storage and the instances and all that stuff that you need in order to deploy an ECS cluster. Now, this really isn't tooling for those of us that love to use Terraform, that know how to edit raw CloudFormation, and that are already comfortable in our advanced workflows of you know, DevOps and GitOps and automation of infrastructure. This is really about 
bringing in that next millions of developers that are new to infrastructure management are still maybe in the older world of manually setting up EC2 instances or Azure instances, and then manually installing Docker on them, and then having to manage patches and reboots and kernel updates and the size of your infrastructure and how many instances you have. I mean, that stuff, look, I'm a sysadmin and I am not going to miss the days where I have to manually provision every single server for every single environment and then create some sort of maintenance plan and automation around keeping them secure and updated. Look, I would love to leave all that behind. So with every client I work with, I'm always trying to push them into more modern infrastructure concepts where we can just remove the machine as an idea. We've already done that in the cloud for the power, the networking, the firewalls. Most of the security is automated to where we can just write some rules and some YAML and it's all handled and a lot of things just automate the security behind the scenes for us. But we're still managing physical servers in a sense. We're we're managing the OS itself. And that's largely due to a lack of good tooling and better layers of abstractions on top of that. And now we're starting to see that. We're seeing that everywhere around. Basically, everyone's trying to go Heroku, who got this right a decade ago, allowing you to just deploy apps on their infrastructure without having to care about instances so much. And I think this is even more mature than that. I think these new ideas are allowing us to use our developer tooling for maybe everything up into production or even to production in small teams or what I like to call solo DevOps. When you're that single person who has to manage everything about software deployments and infrastructure, and you don't have the time to keep your servers secure, to constantly patch them every month and make sure that you update to the latest release or fully test replacing the machines and making sure your apps don't fail when machines are replaced. All that sort of sysadmin-y stuff, right? Just because we're doing DevOps nowadays doesn't mean we also have to be sysadmins. And so if I can avoid ever having to SSH into a server, I'm usually going to be a fan of it. I love Netlify and some of these new ideas around web infrastructure simply being built out of Git and everything else spins up in the background. It creates some static sites. Maybe you have some advanced APIs, but you never see a server. Everything's automatically CDN. Um, That's Netlify. There's lots of other companies that do it, but the one I'm using right now is Netlify. And it's a pretty great approach when you're really just trying to run websites and APIs a lot of times. All right, now that you've heard my explanation around the why, let me just give you some quick details on the how. I've mentioned that the ACI is specifically for Azure container instances, and that will support Docker run and then Docker compose up. Now, when I say Docker compose up, there's no dash there. It's Docker space compose space up. And this is an indication that Docker is starting to pull the compose functionality out of the separate tool and binary right inside the Docker CLI. So eventually we'll have a single tool for Docker and compose because compose is really one of the best features and uses of Docker. And to be honest, most of us, when we're deploying servers, we don't really have just one container, right? So you need something, whether it's Kubernetes manifest or compose YAML, you need something. And so Docker is doubling down on their Compose and bringing it into the Docker tool directly. It hasn't brought all the old functionality. It's really only building new functionality right now for these new context types. But I hope eventually they're going to move all the old functionality over so we can really just end up with one tool. 
And so you have both of those commands, as well as a few other ones like logs and up and down and various things you need, like the PS to just list your containers. But don't expect a ton of features in this. And also don't expect this to be released ready for stable production anywhere in the next few months. I don't have any dates and I haven't even asked directly, but I'm getting the sense that this is something that will take us through 2020 before it's sort of a 1.0 release, maybe into 2021, before we truly see a released version of Docker with this functionality built in out of the box that you can easily install on your local machine or even on a server somewhere and run this stuff. And then, of course, on the AWS side, because it's using ECS, we have to use the Compose YAML and we're not able to use the Docker run command with this AWS beta. So that's why they're really quite different in how they work. Now, if you download the Docker desktop edge release today, you will have both of these built out of the command line. The command line's a little wonky. They're quite different in their command line structure because of the way the different beta teams are developing, but that's temporary. Eventually it will be a very consistent interface at the UI of the command line, and it'll be nice and clean, I'm told. All right, that is all I really have to say about that. There's lots of other technicals and bugs and quirks about it, but you can get those over on my live channel, brett.live, where we're talking about that every week a little bit. As these things mature, I'll probably have some more updates on the live show later this summer. Docker on their own YouTube channel has also had some demos recently, in fact, just one today, and we will be keeping track of this and I'll keep you updated. I hope you like these little mini updates that aren't full shows. I might do this more often, especially if you go over to my Patreon page and you become a member to show your support and let me know in there in the comments because you can always private chat me or show in the comments of the Patreon updates what you like about the show, what you want to see more of, and maybe some of these audio-only rants that I kind of do. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.